Welcome to the Pre-PT Grind Podcast. Before we begin this episode, we would like to thank you for taking the time to invest in yourself as a Pre-PT on your journey to becoming a future doctor of physical therapy. This episode has been sponsored by our Acceptance Navigator Series, which is a free four-part Pre-PT video series where we teach you exactly how to take full control of your PT school acceptance journey, as well as how to find clarity and direction as a pre-PT so that you can dominate your application regardless of your GPA, GRE score, or fear of PT school rejection. Learn how to get into the driver's seat of your acceptance journey and not leave your acceptance to chance by shooting in the dark and hoping for the best as an applicant. This is the most value that we have given away and it's free. Take control of your pre-PT journey today by going to www.acceptancenavigator.com. That's www.acceptancenavigator.com. This episode has also been sponsored by our friends at ptschoolprobe.com. Listen to this. One of the biggest fatal application mistakes that thousands of PT school applicants make each year when applying to PT school is not applying to schools that are a perfect match for them. Partnering with our friends at PT School Probe has made that a problem of the past. As PT School Probe makes it extremely easy to plug in and enter what you're looking for in your ideal schools, and you will be immediately matched up with your perfect match DPT programs in the United States. To get matched and locked into your perfect DPT school programs, go to www.ptschoolprobe.com, www.ptschoolprobe.com, and use the code PREPTGRIND in lowercase letters to get a discount and let them know that we sent you there. That's PREPTGRIND for your code. This will save you hundreds of dollars in your application by helping you avoid throwing away money at the wrong schools and saving tens of thousands of dollars lost every year that you miss out on becoming a DPT. So go to www.ptschoolprobe, that's ptschoolprobe, probe.com, and use the code preptgrind in lowercase letters to get a discount and let them know that we sent you. And that's because we got you covered and we are excited to share this next episode with you. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast episode. We look forward to serving you. Have a blast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pre-PT Grind, where we help you become the best Pre-PT applicant and student you can be. My name is Natalie, and I'm one of the podcast directors. I'm very excited to be on here today because we have the chair of Hampton University's program, Dr. Crawford. Thank you for joining us to answer a few questions regarding your program. And let's get into the first question. So in five minutes or less, tell us about what led you to the profession. Oh my goodness, five minutes or less, wow. Well, thank you for having me on your program. And I think what led me to the profession is that I knew that I wanted to work with children. And so while I was in high school, I was what they called a laboratory techniques major. Long before all of your, what do they call them, magnet schools, et cetera, I attended a school that had special programming for anyone interested in health professions. And so through that investigation, unlike what I hear today when I interview students, I, I never had 
had an injury or had to go to a PT, I learned about it from simply researching professions and it was down to speech therapy or physical therapy and physical therapy went out. So that's essentially it. I wanted to help people and especially little people. So when you first started in PT, did you ever think that you would be in a position like where you are today as a chair of a program? Or did you just think, oh, I'm going to get in and be a pediatric physical therapist. This is what I'm going to practice. Absolutely not. My goal was to be a pediatric physical therapist because I am in the profession more than four decades. So when I was in school, pediatric physical therapy content was probably about two hours of content, not an entire class, and certainly uh, not clinical affiliations. I think I probably was only one person in my class who did a clinical internship in a peds facility. So I definitely just wanted to be that staff physical therapist working with young children. That's awesome. Okay, so now we're going to switch gears a little bit. So students put in extra work into bettering certain parts of their application to be the best all-around applicant. Every school values different aspects of the application. What would you say is an aspect of the application that you value the most, or when you see it on an application, it kind of catches your eye? I would say that the part of the application that catches my eye is the writing when each student has to present an essay and I really embrace that and feel like I can be connected because at Hampton we do not do interviews so when you write your essay that's your opportunity to tell us about you and I love it when students can be very descriptive and talk about how something impacted them personally and why they chose the profession of physical therapy. That's really important. It's like, so why PT? And even more important, why Hampton? Okay? And so when they put in their essay, they're writing it so it can go out to many, many programs. So that's going to be hard to do to say why Hampton, but they can at least elaborate on why physical therapy and what led them to the profession. And as you just asked me, what is it you hope to do in the profession? Yes. I know you had just mentioned you don't do interviews, but for a student who applies to your program, what can they expect on the timeline of the decision and like the overall process? Our application process ends on January 15th, I believe. Somewhere thereabout, if I'm not correct. And what we do is probably have almost a rolling admission once we get all of the applications in. So we may uh, fill the class and we may accept as many, but not more than 30 students. So if someone drops out, we may place a student on a waiting list. So they may find out late. We usually will not, not go any later than June because our program begins right around Labor Day. And if we're telling a student that they've been accepted in the summer, what we found is that it just becomes problematic for the student. That's a lot to have to juggle in a short period of time. And as everyone knows, these programs are very rigorous and they demand a lot. And we don't want students to get off to a uncomfortable start, okay? Because they're trying to find housing, transportation, all these different things. So I would say that it ends Definitely by June, but we, the application process, we're not accepting any applications after late January 15th. So then kind of going off that question, for any student who's interested in your program or even like if they just come on a campus tour after they apply, 
there's a good chance that they won't be able to see like everything that your program or the canvas has to offer. So what would you say are some things that are unique to your program that a student typically wouldn't see on a tour, but a student who's in your program would see it so or experience it like interprofessional opportunities or a research component or a different way of teaching? I would say the number one variable that a student would see at Hampton would be the diversity. We have a diverse program. I have been the chair at Hampton for, I'm ending my fourth year. And in my very first semester, that was what just stuck out the most to me is I was teaching administration and management and I had a very diverse class. And so it makes for a much more exciting and dynamic classroom discussion because you have people coming from all over the country different races, different backgrounds, and that brings a lot to the classroom environment that I think is very different from what you may experience at other programs. That piece is very unique. Also, the campus itself has a lot of history, so if you are on the campus, you may have an opportunity to visit the museum, which has a beautiful Black history collection that the president has been collecting for his, during his tenure at Hampton, which is now 40 years. So that's pretty uh, unique. In terms of research, scholarship, a lot of the focus uh, thus far has been on the different areas that the faculty will teach in, but also there is an emphasis on bringing forth underserved populations. So we want people from underserved uh, populations to be able to exceed and excel in the profession. Currently in physical therapy, the number of African-American students has not increased over the years. It's been less than, I think now it may be 3%, and it's been as low as 2 And it's kind of sad when you think about it because my colleague recently stated that she's been in the profession about five decades. I've been in four, and it's not moved very much. I'm encouraged because when I looked at the Student uh, Physical Therapy Association, they are now reflecting diversity. So young people are doing something that we have not been able to achieve for a long time. So I'm hopeful in that. So th that's one of the things that's very important to me. And I think that we uh, I have faculty, the faculty are currently doing research in that. We have put some strategies in place because we want students who come into the program to be successful. That doesn't mean everyone's successful, but we certainly try. So I know you kind of just touched on this, but what kind of resources do you provide to the students to put them in a position that will help them succeed? And this obviously I know a lot of programs do like different types of mentoring, like upper class and mentoring like first years or faculty mentors or tutoring. So what are some of the things that Hampton offers? So Hampton offers a, a mentoring program. So upper class uh, students will mentor uh, students the third year to the second. They are paired with a mentor, a student mentor coming into the program who's probably a year ahead of them. So that's one way. The other is that, and this predates me, it started before I came, but the faculty put together a, I'm gonna call it a success program. That's not what we call it. Uh, but it is a program whereby if a student is not doing well, and we look and see that grades have dropped, because we have a very high 
standard grade point average. And so when they come in, we have to pay close attention to that because it's the it's the graduate college uh, standard, Hampton standard. So we pay attention to that. So if someone is dropping below, we're going to alert them. We're going to ask them to come in and talk with the instructor. We're going to ask them to speak with their advisor. And then ultimately, they're going to speak to me. And then I'm going to look to see if a plan has been put in place. I want to see if it's been identified where the challenges are and if there have been steps identified for the student and instructor to engage in to help them to be successful. And so here I have to say, we're not always successful. And that's the hardest part of my job. When I have to say to a student, you've not made it, you know? They come in and they're gonna get that recommendation to not continue. That's very difficult. So we're gonna be trying to encourage um, the different strategies long before we get to that point. And, and so for students, whether they are in coming to my program or any program, because I've worked in others, I would say, um, that is one of the challenges. It's one challenge to get into a program. It's another to stay in. So when you come in, you want to give it all that you've got, recognizing that these programs are finite. They are not infinite. It's going to be you are not getting sleep. You're probably not maintaining your nutrition, et cetera. You should, though. Um, but it's not finite. Give it everything you have. Let your first attempt be your best and, and take nothing don't take no for an answer it's like i gotta do this gripe about it but then do it do it because it is doable i often talk about a class one of our recent classes i think it was the class of 2018 when they started they said all of us going to finish and guess what they did don't ask me how but they did i think when you have that mindset that no matter what that you do it. I've had classes over the years, everyone has their own strategy. Um, I have one class that, and if any of my former students ever hear this, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. I had a class, and before every exam, I said, okay, where is it? I go, wait a minute, Dr. Crocker, what is it? And he said, we just need a few minutes to pray. That sends a powerful message, you know? They were united in that, and they prayed before every exam. Now I know everyone has their own religious beliefs, et cetera, this particular group came together. I don't know what their religious beliefs were, but I would step back and allow them to do that. It was very cohesive, you know? It brought them together. And as you see, it stayed in my mind. This is, I know, more than a decade later. And when I think about it, I still remember. And they were very successful, very successful. Have you found that the classes that are successful, like that one or the 2018 one, do they, are they more successful because they're so cohesive and they like take the time out of their days, form study groups or like, communicate with each other? Hey, like this section was really hard for me. And then someone will be like, oh, like I understood it. I think they find strategies that work. Okay. There are all kinds of strategies. And what I see is as instructors, those persons who say, you know what, this sucks. I don't like this. They may, they may gripe about the instructor, everything, but they still jump in front of that situation. Um, recently, a student was really struggling. Her and I were going back and forth. Then all of a sudden, I look at her grades are just changing. I said, oh, what's going on? She says, I'm determined to finish this. I said, yeah, and you're killing it, okay? You are, woo! 
I, I mean, I, I was like, wow. She said, you know, you, you're right. I was skimming the surface. And now I'm digging deeper. I'm reading that material. I'm not complaining about how much it is. I recognize I'm going to be a doctor. And people are going to expect me to know. Not just simply under, but to know. And so that's going to take more than just listening to an instructor, viewing the PowerPoint. It's going to mean i got to dive deeper and really move that information from an extrinsic knowing to an intrinsic knowing so that no matter how you, that information is brought back, I got it. I got it. And I think that, that's what I see, that these are sometimes the students who are willing to go that extra yard. They do the extras. And I think that becomes a real good quality for success. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So every student obviously handles things differently. And many students go from their undergrad straight into their grad degree, while others are non-traditional students. And obviously, no matter what the case, everyone's going to experience first-day jitters and trying to figure out what what works best for them. So what can students expect on their first day of classes in your program or like the first week? Because I know that certain programs like adjust the first week to kind of getting those students adjusted into their classes. I think that in our program, of uh, fortunately, students will probably expect to hit the ground running because it's a lot of information. So they're going to get an overview. We always do uh, orientation to the program. And so with that orientation, they kind of get all the information that's needed, administrative-wise, registration, et cetera. We do a full week orientation. But once those classes start, they're going to kind of hit the ground running because of the amount of material. Now, the first class is going to be going over the syllabus. That's the time to ask a lot of questions in terms of the sequence of the material, anything that's, that's not understood, the resources that are needed, etc. What I often say to students is, don't wait until you feel like you're overwhelmed with the information. As soon as you feel like, hey, I don't understand something, go and speak to the instructor, know their office hours, really begin that communication. And when things aren't quite the way you'd like, say something so that someone can do something. Because I think, I know for myself, and I think I speak for the faculty, we want everyone to be successful. And there's a lot of different things you can do if you know it ahead of time. Sometimes students are wait. I have one student who thanked me, well, thank the faculty for having uh, what we call our retention plan, because she said she didn't feel comfortable coming and saying, I just don't get it. I just don't understand it. And she said, had you not had this in place, I would have just stayed back because I'm looking at everybody thinking they know this more than me and maybe they don't. So I, I love that. I think students come in with so many great ideas and I also want them to share that. We've had some wonderful experiences from students sharing activities. Often students will come in and they're activities that they'll do on their own that has absolutely nothing to do with faculty but it has everything with in terms of expanding the knowledge and really bringing home all of that instruction in the classroom to real life situations um, 
I love it when students had some students who volunteered with Special Olympics and did different things. So I don't want to come off like it's all just work, but there's a lot of different things that you can do that's going to bring a lot of joy to what it is, all this work that you're doing throughout the program. Okay, so we're down to our last two questions. So we know that there are a lot of pre-PTs that might have had a rough start to their journey and might have lower grades than expected and find them in a find themselves in a situation where they decided to take on PT later on. Mm -hmm. At Pre-PT Grind, our mission is to help push and guide students to take the correct course of action to ultimately get into PT school. We've seen it happen often where students have gotten into PT school with a GPA as low as a 2.4. For a student with a low GPA who wants to get into PT school, what would you recommend them doing? Probably what I'm going to recommend them doing is increasing that GPA. And it just makes it easier. It's, it's not like it's impossible, but sometimes, you know, looking, coming into an academic program that you're interested in, sitting down, talking with the professor, going over your transcript to find out the why. And so once you figure out the why, then take some courses to increase that GPA. Maybe it was an, uh, an anatomy course. Well, you're gonna have to take anatomy and you're really gonna have to know it. So that would be one thing. And I guess the biggest thing I would look at trying to increase that and think about what, what accounts for the low GPA. That's what I, some students, they may be in school and having to work. You know, they may have been an athlete. You know, I think that the biggest concern I would have, I wouldn't want to, just say no because a person has uh, the low GPA. We do set a limit though for our program, but it's real important to understand the why because once you understand the why, you can do something about it. One of the things, other things I think is just so, so important, pre-PT as well as while you're in the PT program is to have a mentor. You can have a student mentor, but you could also have a mentor who's in the profession, someone you can bounce ideas off of. And, and that goes pre, during, and post physical therapy. I, I serve on some committees and I look at folks attend getting awards and they tend to have uh, mentors and a mentor could help a person who has, say, a low GPA, you know, start that conversation with them. So before they even apply to PT school, begin to, to work on increasing the GPA or if you know early on, I was talking to a student recently who has a low GPA, I said, okay, so she's probably three years out before she's gonna start. And I said, we gotta start working on that because we don't want, it's cost too much to go to school now. You don't wanna have to spend seven years doing your undergrad prerequisites. And so let's start working on it now. And I said, because you really do need to have that 3.0 and let's start working on it. So in that, regard, uh, we just met in the hallway at my department, and I said, we talk, started talking, next thing I know, she's coming to see me, and I said, we're going to work on this. I said, because you can do this. You know, that freshman year is a time of, to have good times, but can also bring a GPA down. So we start working on it. I go all the way to elementary school and talk to students, uh, elementary, uh, middle, high school, because I want them to know how important it is to keep that GPA up once they hit their freshman year. All is not lost that they have it, but it may mean it's going to take them a little more time. I think when I talked to you initially, 
we can get a student into the program. We can't. As you stated, the programs that will take them as low as 2.4, I have to tell you, Hampton does not. However, we will work with you to help you to get that GPA up where it needs to be so you can get in. But once you're in, you got to stay in. And, and that's where it can be a struggle. Awesome. Okay. Final question is, what is one piece of advice that you would give any applicant during their pre-PT journey? Oh, that was probably it. One, I would say get a mentor. I think mentors are important. And mentors can be good listeners, good soundboards, and um, can help you pre-PT, during the PT program, and post. I think that's very important to have someone you can uh, use as a sounding board and, and could also give you sound advice. The other, I would say, is spend a whole lot of time on that application. Think about it. For a program like mine that does not have interviews, you are presenting a portrait of yourself using technology in print. You, wanna, you want to create the best portrait possible. When I go into the high schools, I say, so which picture do you want? The one where you're just getting out of bed or the one you're at your best, it's, it's senior prom. The senior prom, right? So you, you wanna have the best portrait possible. You know, tell them your great stories, um, the things that have led you there. You know, paint this beautiful picture. I've seen students who've had low GPAs, but in that essay, they told us some heroic, something wonderful they did, something to show helping, caring, wanting to be in a, a medical profession, a health profession. And the faculty went, we want that student. That's who we want in the profession. So two things, mentoring I think is excellent, as well as um, really taking a lot of time with your application, following those deadlines. Believe it or not, making sure you have the deadline. So I just recently said to my own daughter, don't ask them for extensions, meet the deadline. Meet the deadline, show that you can do that. And then I guess third would be your, whoever you select to write your letters of recommendation. Make sure they know you and that they will paint a really good picture of you. I am sometimes so disappointed when uh, a student has such a wonderful application and then the letter of recommendation is like, uh, like what happened? What happened? Whereas you can have a student with a so-so application and then people will write about it and they're like, whoa, wow. So you want the person who's writing your application to give the faculty the wow, I want that person. Wow, look at this. So, so that we, and Hampton, we have a more holistic. Yes, we're gonna look at grades, but we're gonna look at your essay. We're gonna really read your um, uh, letters of recommendation. And we're gonna look at the things you've done, your volunteer experiences. So, so that, that's what I would say. I hope I gave you your answers. <laughs> No, that was perfect. So that concludes the interview. I just want to say thank you again for taking time out of your day. Come on and chat with me. Do you have any questions? And how could I tell students who contact me, I have students contacting me all the time at that pre-PT phase. I would love for them to be connected. So we have a Facebook group called the Pre-Doctor of Physical Therapy Students Group and that is definitely a good place. People will post different questions. Is anyone looking into this program or 
there's been a lot of questions about different prereqs and whatnot. And then our podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and then we also have a website. And through like the website and everything, students can get different coaching and network with other students who might be in programs already or are looking into the same programs. So it's kind of just a way to network with people and get more information from people who have experienced it. Okay. Okay. That's wonderful. I, I realized one thing I didn't say. Every fe- February, we have a graduate college day, and that's an excellent time to, to visit our program and find out about everything from getting into the program, counseling, uh, advisement, financial aid, everything. Everyone's there at one time. So when they contact our program, we do that. But this is nice. I would love to be able to give this as a resource. Well, thank you for allowing me to have this opportunity. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you taking time. Have a great rest of your day and a great weekend. You too. What is up, guys? You've been listening to the Pre-PT Grind podcast, where we don't just help you get into PT school, but our mission is to make you the best physical therapist you can possibly be. And I have a quick question for you. Did you enjoy this episode? And if you did, I want to ask a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread our message of helping pre-PTs get into physical therapy school without wasting time and money is if you rate, review, and subscribe to the Pre-PT Grind podcast. What this basically does is tell the platforms out there that we're on is that you like our stuff, that we're doing something right, and that we're bringing value to you all our audience. So if you could take about three seconds out of your day to rate, review, and subscribe to the Pre-PT Grind podcast, Tell your friends about Perfect to Grind. We would be forever, forever grateful to all of you. So thank you again for listening to another episode of the Pre-PT Grind podcast. We will see you on the next one.